Today, we will be speaking with Dana Neaksu. She will get us started with an introduction about herself, then we'll jump into the talk about capitalism. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Max. Um, I'm uh, so um, happy and uh, honored to have been asked to, to talk about um, capitalism because um, my first encounter with um, uh, this concept was um, seriously speaking when I was a bit younger than you. I guess I was 16 years old and uh, I uh, received a, a library copy of um, the first volume of Marx's Capital. That this was uh, in um, um, so-called socialist Romania, uh, where I was born and where I lived uh, my first 20 years. So my name is Dana Nakshu, and uh, I'm currently um, working at uh, Duquesne uh, Klein Law School. And um, my conversation with uh, Max is um, uh, strictly from my perspective as a scholar. Um, expressing uh, views on my own work with um, which have no bearing of um, any institutional uh, views. So um, what can I say about my scholarship on capitalism? Um, if you want, my approach to capitalism has always been a very confused one because um, growing up in um, so-called socialist Romania, uh, dictatorship of the proletariat, um, I, um, I couldn't see any differences between um, the struggles of um, workers under you, you know, capitalist societies uh, during the industrial revolution uh, period, um, uh, the one that uh, Marx was describing from the 16th, uh, 17th, 18th, 19th century, to, to the reality I grew up in. So if capitalism means a society where everyone works, produces something of value for the benefit of very few, that is a society I grew up in. There was no difference um, between that society and uh, the society that I live in now, from that perspective, the difference is that um, the type of work, the treatment of the workers, um, um, and the benefits of those at the top, so are qualitatively different. But as a concept, as a principle of how we organize society, most working for the benefit of a few, that pyramid approach I grew up in and I continue to live in. Now, about me, so uh, when I left Romania, I went to uh, Caen, to France. I uh, obtained a, a graduate degree in law. Then um, I moved, um, I, I went to Harvard where I uh, graduated with a graduate degree in law. Um, then um, I uh, worked uh, as an attorney in New York City. Um, I worked for the uh, for a private firm, and uh, I worked for the um, local government for the city of New York. And uh, then uh, I uh, returned um, to the academe 
in Romania, I was uh, a researcher, briefly a researcher for, for the National Academy, and then I taught uh, as a young uh, associate uh, professor uh, in my law school alma mater. So I have also an LFB from Romania. Um, when I returned to the academe, I, re I worked um, at uh, Columbia uh, Law School, Columbia University in New York City. Uh, I worked uh, as um, a reference research librarian. I worked as a lecturer in law. And I also, I worked as an adjunct um, a professor at Barnard and uh, a um, uh, lecturer in political science um, at uh, Columbia University. Currently, I am uh, at uh, Duquesne, where I, Duquesne Klein Law School, where I teach climate change. Um, and um, this is um, both a doctrinal course, but also um, a course that emphasizes legal research and writing. And in terms of scholarship, uh, always focused on the other aspect of capitalism rather than exploitation, redistributive justice. How do we make sure that uh, aside from the structure of the society, we can implement some um, sense of social justice? How can we work on that? You already touched on this a bit, but define capitalism and also the problems in defining capitalism. I'm going to re uh, reference uh, what uh, hopefully is going to be chapter two, Essential Perspectives, Foundations of Capitalism in a edited uh, volume by Professor Inara Scott. And um, I'm going to, I, I'm one of these authors who really likes what they write. And I'm going to reference that work in my answers to you. Capitalism is often referenced without a generally accepted definition. Why is that? Because um, all definitions are ideological. And um, that's another work of mine that I'm going to plug in. And I think it's very important. It's about meaning making, how political meaning making is. So uh, if I write something, I wrote this chapter, I'm the textual instigator. This text interpolated you, Max, and you, Max, had your own answer and your own meaning that you, uh, you, know, you gave my text. And through this negotiation between the textual instigator, what is called the author and the textual interpolated, a person which is the usually who is the usually the reader meaning comes up and let's see if i was transparent enough with my uh, background and my intentions and my explanations so we can avoid the irony of meaning which often is the opposite of what i meant so from this perspective that is why there are so many definitions about capitalism because usually definitions are going to represent the views of the person proposing them. And there is so much difference intellectually and ideologically and educationally and uh, from any perspective, subjectively speaking, between people, among people who promote these um, uh, definitions. So that is why one answer, why so many, because there are so many interests. 
So if you Google or, you know, capitalism, you will see that there are many people with a liberal perspective that will give you a, a definition. Even within the liberal, um, you know, group, you are going to find the people who are focused on the on the economic hierarchy of the society, people who are focused on the political uh, part of the society. Within the economic side of the society, there are people who are going to talk about the means of production. Others, they're going to talk about the type of profit each society produces. Others are going to talk about what exactly do we produce nowadays. And we, we are, they are going to talk to you about the knowledge society about the capitalism um, of the 21st century where knowledge and information are the most coveted products, not gold in itself. So all these perspectives are going to emphasize a particular element of, of the society. And what I propose here is that um, they're all accurate to some extent, correct? Conceptually, it is different than whatever came before capitalism. And when we propose a definition, we are going for the political and legal scaffolding. We are going for um, the e e economy that produces the market economy that is so important. Um, when we talk about uh, legal scaffolding, we go to particular types of um, rights, the right to property. So that is more definitional, if you want, essential in what um, separates capitalism from something else than uh, the right to be free or the right, uh, you know, to uh, be free from, you know, different type of um, servitudes or the right to freely associate or the right to free speech. So if we want to keep it at this level of um, uh, generality, all I can say is that the problem of defining capitalism is not capitalism, is the problem with the people who articulate their definition, because they are always focused on a particular interest, on a particular goal, and they are promoting their views at the expense of the society. So that's why I believe there is a problem defining capitalism. And going back to something you just mentioned, capitalism is different from what came before. So at what moment was capitalism defined as something new? So uh, we cannot... Thank you for the question. We, we cannot really point out to uh, a particular moment everywhere, you know, internationally speaking. And um, again, we have to be very mindful that uh, no matter how much people have tried to uh, distance themselves from the work created by Karl Marx, it is quite impossible because um, he had uh, a big picture mind. And very few people nowadays have this Renaissance approach, enlightenment-supported um, approach to, to knowledge. So that's why So the, the difference is that the um, problematic of um, uh, defining 
capitalism rests with people not having an understanding of um, of knowledge, or understanding of history, understanding of um, various um, um, subject matters, you know, um, a a philosophy, for example, or um, writings in a particular area, um, like political economy or anything else. So Marx, having this encyclopedic mind, he was able to give us a structure of history. And he chose a very clear criteria. Who has access to the means of production? How are they used? And who benefits from the type of use of those means of production? So if you are clear with your intentions and you are transparent, you can create a body of work that has some value, some meaning can be criticized, can be improved. But if you don't have this clear mind and understanding the big picture, if you are not educated enough, or if you don't have the curiosity, or if you don't have the inclination or whatever, you cannot produce this type of work. So using this type of structure, we can go around the world and pinpoint who benefited or who owned the means of production. And uh, in antiquity, we know that the slave owners, according to this um, approach, then in feudalism, we had landowners. And when that society broke down and we're able to see urban centers with manufacturers and um, the role of technology being in on an increasing path, then we can, some of them, according to this Marxian view, we say that that's the birth of capitalism. Other people may say, look, capitalism is politically and legally created. So we have to look when private property was created. And we can go to various philosophers and legal philosophers, and we can go to political philosophers and in America, uh, the ones that are very dear to us and very dear to our founding fathers were the uh, British um, um, political philosophers Hobbes and Locke. And they talk a lot about private property and they talk a lot about the freedom to decide what you want to do in a society, meaning you have particular type of rights, you are going to give away those rights according to a compact. So in that view, capitalism is created when people have the freedom to decide what they want to do with their lives. So they free themselves from slave owners. They free themselves from landowners, from an indentured servitude situation. And they go to urban centers and they start becoming workers, selling their own ability to work and gain a living to people with money, capitalists, who are able to purchase their power their, to work in exchange for a particular amount of money. So property, you could sell and the freedom to sell your power to work for an exchange for amount of money, so private property. So that could be considered a moment. Now, all this is 
factually untrue, and there is a lot of fiction in this, correct? Going back to slavery in the United States, for example, slavery is the basis of capitalism. It's very interesting because slaves were used as tools to create profit. So in the way in um, uh, England, for example, there was um, what engine, the, the, um, something like um, whatever engine you think was created for a mechanical loom, for example, to weave and, and create uh, something, uh, a shirt or whatever. And so who owned that machine that created that shirt, the capitalist creation of capitalism and the worker that, you know, manned that machine. In America, you had capitalists owning the slave, creating the shirt. So it's very interesting that uh, we cannot really apply one explanatory system to the moment when capitalism um, started. That's why it's very important to settle on a definition. That's why it's very important to acknowledge that definitions are hard to, uh, to be uniform because they're always proposed by a historian, by a political scientist, by an economist who is going to offer their knowledge, their views. So in terms of time frame, we can say 17th century if you want for sure, because we do have we do have changes in um in um, political governance everywhere in the world. So we had uh, um if you remember we had um uh, in England, we can talk about the glorious revolution in the 17th century, soon in the 18th century. Um, definitely, um, the Industrial Revolution is viewed in uh, France, um, in, Amer in the Americas, and um, much later, um, capitalism, if you want, trickles down in Eastern Europe, and then by the end of the 19th century, we can talk about capitalism in Eastern Europe, in Russia. And uh, I know very little of um, what is going on in Asia and um, the evolution of capitalism there. But definitely capitalism existed in India, in the, sub, uh, in the Indian subcontinent, because they were part of the British Empire. Capitalism existed as part of the British Empire in, in Africa. Capitalism exists in, in Haiti because we know about Toussaint Louverture, um, successful, briefly successful revolution in, um, at the 18th century. So we can say safely that between the 17th and the 19th century, the entire globe is capitalist. How have the key aspects of capitalism developed over time? And where do you see these going forward and applying into this model of sustainable capitalism? Now you 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 really hit the nail, correct, with, with this question, because that's the problem of capitalism. It cannot sustain itself. And I haven't said that in my writing. I'm alluding to it, that sooner or later we will have to make a choice. 
will have to change capitalism because capitalism is what? Is that beautiful story of man conquering nature. And that stands right now for man destroying nature and destroying man's future. So we've reached that level of um, development according to growth. So we, we cannot develop in terms of growth anymore. We have to find a different type of development. I understand that we can go digitally and we have digital capitalism. We have the space of, uh, that is offered in the digital world to, to capitalize and use and create profit. And it's potentially unlimited. We can create many, many metaverses. So to the extent that indeed we can keep up with the need for profit that capitalism demands, and it's a very cannibalistic system. So to the extent that we can create those metaverses that we can exploit, we can continue. To the extent that there is the universe outside our planet, that we can conquer and make a profit and continue this growth. Maybe what I'm saying uh, can be easily discarded, but in terms of being capitalist on planet Earth and continue this for centuries and centuries to come, we have to change everything that we knew about capitalism. And what do I mean by that? So private property right now is, is regarded as an absolute right that can be true. We cannot have these billionaires, trillionaires, whatever. We cannot have unlimited private property. We need a system in, in which we ensure public good. We need to make sure that we take care of each other and we protect the environment. And this is a very hard sell. But we have to understand that not everyone can have a castle. In order to build one castle, an entire county has to work. Now, the way we live in the US, we can do this type of living because people in other parts of the world have much less materially speaking and also health-wise and in terms of access to resources of any type, much less. Life expectancy and the type of type of uh, the, the, the lifestyle we enjoy, it's different. So if we want to preserve this is this planet, we have to take into consideration everyone. Because in order for us to have this lifestyle, that means producing, emitting pollutants into the air that is that are going to affect everyone, that are going to affect islands that are going to disappear. We are going to face more migration, not only from our capitalist wars to access, you know, markets but from the disappearance of land. Florida is not going to give us much more trouble, politically speaking, in the next, I, I don't know, not far away, because there won't be a Florida. 
because of the climate change. So if we don't understand that we need to work together, we need to change our lifestyle. We need to change our concepts. Private property doesn't need to be unlimited. We can still have private property, but we don't need to encourage people like um, Amazon owners or Tesla owners to have these trillions or, or, or my, uh, money. That money has to be put to work. None of these people offer to pay the dues required by the Paris Agreement. Either one of them could have paid easily the dues of everyone, and we have started working in earnest to save the planet. So there is no reason to have this type of private property when people cannot actually, they don't have a record of showing interest in saving the planet. For better or worse, only governments seem to be interested in saving the planet, doing very little and trying their best not to do anything. But if we don't understand that we need to change what we call capitalism, so if it's the economy of capitalism, market, the market um, uh, view of capitalism has to change. There is no market, there is, everything is planned. Everything goes according to whatever laws are established by each state that has access and defines a market. We have to be transparent. We have to stop this foolishness, ideological lies. Everything is possible because each state has a set of rules that allow particular, a particular behavior, whether it's corporate behavior or whether it's individual behavior. So we can have sustainable, changed capitalism, if you want a welfare capitalism or something different, but something really innovative and different than what, what we have right now. And I don't want this to be just the burden of the younger generation. It should be the burden of everyone who has some decency. So let's have a decent capitalism.